What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's Fortinet Championship, a brand new season after two weeks of an offseason, and that means I've got important announcements. Don't fast forward through this. Why does everybody want to fast forward through? This is valuable information. So a couple of things you're going to want to know. Number one, I'm starting a one and done for the new season. Yes, there will be one starting this week at the Fortinet Championship, and there will be another starting in January. I know that a lot of people like to just focus on on January. Uh, that's fine. We got like 700 people last year, or whatever it ended up being. I'm starting one for the full season for the Sickos. So if you would like to be involved, the link is in the description for all the information you need. The deadline, the deadline to sign up. All this information is in there. September 14th, that is Wednesday, at basically one minute before midnight, 11.59 p.m. Central Time. I don't know why it's Central Time. I think because League Safe is, is based in Central Time. Uh, but that's the deadline. Okay, so you have till Wednesday night. There are no exceptions. Please do not email me Thursday morning and say, I'd like to get in. Please don't email me uh, Saturday and say, hey, I'd like to get in, or next week. This is it. One chance, no exceptions. The It's very, very simple to get into, okay? And I'm not going to read you through all the information because I'm going to link it. You should bookmark this page. It is going to be updated with more information as people sign up. But all you have to do is sign up and pay at LeagueSafe, your $100 entry, and then sign up for the same site that we used and log in at officefootballpool.com. Same exact thing we did last year. I do not handle any of the money. It all goes through LeagueSafe. It was very, very easy to do last year. I'm going to continue to do it again. I, I list out the payouts that we had last year, 679 entries is what we got. The the championship belt that I sent out to Jim Steele, another one of those is going to be on the line this week. I've got the list of, of, of events in here. So just all the information that you need is in this post. And again, it's going to be linked in the description. You can sign up for the email newsletter. You should bookmark this page. As of right now, Monday morning, there are 268 people signed up. I imagine that's going to go up pretty significantly in the next couple of days. No exceptions. I hate to be that way, but like that's that's how I have to run this. And really, I'm running it in a way where I don't control anything. So even if you want to get in late, you can't because the deadline's shut down. Okay, that's, that's number one. Number two... Um, you're gonna see, you're gonna see a lot of changes that happened to the website in the last two weeks, and you're you're gonna maybe not notice a lot of the changes that have happened in the last two weeks. Um, so a lot of data stuff has happened. So now the website rickrungood.com, where you see all the visuals and all the tools that I put together, is now supporting six, data from six different tours. Uh, it's the PGA Tour, the Corn Ferry Tour, the Champions Tour, which is the Senior Tour, the DP World Tour, that's the formerly known as the European Tour, Live Golf, and the Asian Tour. No matter what I think about Live Golf, I've said this countless times. If I want to create a website that has all the data from everywhere in the world, especially if these guys are going to play major championships, I have to include the, the data from Live Golf. So that's been on the website for weeks um, and will continue to be moving forward. I noticed for the first time this week, DraftKings is running full event live contests, which before it was just showdown stuff. So if you want to get involved with that, the, the data has been available to you and will continue to be 
available to you. So that's that's the six tours that are currently being covered. You'll notice all of that running throughout the website, and there's a lot of stuff that you probably won't notice, but the website's going to work look work a lot better, look a lot better, and obviously more updates to come. Finally, in terms of updates, um, I I went out and got the guy for ownership projections, right? I think we live in a world where ownership projections are becoming increasingly, increasingly more important. Game theory is becoming more and more important. Uh, the ownership projections that I put together for the last couple of years have been, uh, they've been very good, but realistically it's almost a full-time job. If you want somebody to be doing it right. And with how much things change, you know, Wednesday withdrawals or whatever, like I needed someone to focus their full attention on it. So I went out and I got Mike Cavaluna. So he was previously doing this at uh, Fanshare. Uh, he's going to be doing it for for rickrungood.com. By all measures, he's probably the best in the space at, at, at accomplishing this and doing it accurately. You're going to see more and more um, frequent updates. And then as we kind of expand it to, hey, who knows, maybe showdown ownership is coming at some point, right? Like th- this is the guy that I need to manage it. So give him a follow on Twitter. It's at Lunas. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be a really great season. I think you guys know that um, I'm constantly trying to make updates and improvements to the website. I take the suggestions that I get from you and I, I do my absolute best. I've cut down on some of the other content that I'm going to do for this season as an effort to pour more efforts back into Rick Run Good YouTube, rickrungood.com, the data site, just all that fun stuff. So very excited about the new season. I hope you guys are too. Uh, not going to take up any more of your time. Without further ado, let's jump into the Fortnite Championship. Silverado Resort and Spa, the North Course. They've got a couple courses up there. So um, if you're new, this is the regression model that I run for every course on the PGA Tour. It looks at uh, basically all the data that we have available. It compares it to success at every single course, and it starts to build the types of golfers that have success at this event, not necessarily in that week, right? Like if you see something where it says, oh, driving accuracy, very, very important. Doesn't necessarily mean for that week, but that golfer was accurate for the year, building types of golfers. Um, unfortunately for for this week, there's not a, there's not a ton of, of strong correlation. Uh, driving accuracy, 29th, that's 29th out of 43 courses on the PGA Tour, distance 22nd. Uh, really, there's nothing in the teens. There's nothing in the single digits. There's really not anything that's super correlated to success. So when we zoom out a little bit here, uh, remember this is a resort course and by PGA tour standards, it's a very short par 72, only 7,100 yards. The recent history of this event, it kind of turns into like a, a driver wedge putting contest, right? You know, they're, they're very narrow greens. They're hard to hit. Like you're not going to see a lot of fairways hit, excuse me, fairways, not greens. You're not going to see a lot of fairways hit. So that might be good to know for like props when you go to prize picks and you put in the code Rick and all that stuff and get your deposit bonus. Like I think fair, like fairways are not easy to hit and guys pull driver a lot because the rough is not really all that penal. Right. So you've got a situation where it's like, ah, who cares? Just hit it into hit it into the rough and, and hit a wedge up there and see how many putts that you can make. Um that kind of creates a situation where, you know, we'll talk about guys like Corey Connors, like maybe their strengths are not super magnified here. Driver, wedge, um, 
you know, get yourself around this place, see how many putts that you can end up making. It has that, that, that hybrid strain of grass, bent grass, poana. It's, I don't think there's a lot of things that I would rule out here. Is distance going to be uh, a benefit? Of course it is everywhere. Is it a prerequisite for success? Probably, probably not. I do think the hole by hole breakdown is a little bit interesting. Um, The par threes keep this from from the scoring average getting super out of hand. I think Stuart Sink has the tournament scoring record uh 21 under par. So you're not you're not necessarily going to see like 27, 28 under par like we have seen at times. The par 3s kind of keep that in check. You really just need to survive, manage the par 3s and then the 4s and the 5s are super gettable. The 5s are some of the easiest easier set of 5s that we have on the PGA Tour. So what I'm what I'm actually digging into right now and I'll send it out in my email newsletter is I'm pulling all the strokes gained numbers for the easiest par fives on the PGA Tour schedule from last year, and I'll include that. There's a link in the description, um, or you can go to, I think it's rickrungood.com slash newsletter. It's free. You can sign up for that. But I'll, I'll compile that data because you really got to make your hay on the fours and the fives and then just kind of get through the par three. So um, unfortunately, not a whole lot of course fit that I think we're going to be able to dive into, but I guess that leaves the vast majority of the field available to us. So we might as well just look at the look at the salaries, look at the cheat sheet and see what's going on. The cheat sheet, again, rickrungood.com. And what I would tell you, um, and this is a newer addition, is I would say flip over to the global trends here. So if you're watching on YouTube, there's two different versions of the cheat sheet. There's the classic version, which looks at uh, PGA Tour events in recent history. And then if you click to global, it shows you everything. So this will show you that Justin Suh has actually won his last start. If I hover over it, I can see it was the Corn Ferry Tour Championship and that he's been piling up top 10 finishes. But if I look at the classic version of this, which is only going to account for uh, PGA Tour events, he has zero events in recent history. So global is the place that I would like to be. Um, That just, I think, tells a bigger, better story. Now, just in terms of, before I even jump into the tiers here, uh, this week, we are getting an influx of Corn Ferry Tour players, right? We're getting all the graduates, all the guys that earned their tour card. And if you are a believer of the Corn Ferry Tour like I am, I believe that there is a very, very blurry line between the best guys on the PGA Tour and the worst guys on the PGA Tour. And it it might be like the guys, the best guys on the Corn Ferry Tour are probably better than the worst guys on the PGA Tour. That's a conversation for another day of how kind of easy it is to keep your tour card. But um, this is a week where I think you're going to see an opportunity for names that a lot of people don't know, leaving a lot of money on the table. Before I even jump into the the 10K range, look at the power rankings here. So this is raw strokes gain metrics. You can look at this via weighted and take into account Corn Ferry versus PGA Tour. But if you just sort by the last 24 rounds for everybody in this field, everywhere that they've played a round of golf in the last 24 rounds, there is not a $10,000 golfer until you get to the 18th ranked player, which is Corey Connors. Um, there are a ton of six, seven, and 8K guys that fill out the top 17 of this. So, so I'm just trying to build a picture that like, hey, golf is being played other places than the PGA Tour. It's being played on the Corn Ferry. It's being played on the European Tour. It's being played on Live. It's being played on the Senior Tour. It's being played on the Asian Tour. It's being played everywhere. And if you look at just strokes gained and you think all of these tours are at least somewhat comparable, at least the PGA versus the Corn Ferry, you're going to get a lot of opportunity this week. Okay. So sorry for that diatribe. Let's jump into 
the 10K range here. Hideki Matsuyama, Max Homa, Corey Connors, Sahith Tagala. That's it. Four guys at the top of the board. Um, probably willing to take just a, a cautious approach on Hideki Matsuyama, maybe cautiously optimistic. Uh, it is It has been a really strange run for Hideki in the past six months. And I think a lot of people uh, attributed the weird like WDs and the poor play and the DQ to like, ah, maybe it's just like lingering live stuff and he's going to go play on live. Well, doesn't really seem like that anymore, right? So are we are we past kind of the point where uh, Hideki has these these live rumors? Even if we are, he's not driving it well, which is rare for him. He's not hitting his second shot super well, right? He lost four and a half strokes at the 3M Open before he withdrew. He lost two strokes at the BMW Championship in which he finished T35. Um, he's putting it okay, which is nice to see, but this is a very strange version of Hideki Matsuyama that we're seeing right now. The good news is that he has a sixth place finish here last year. I would take a cautiously optimistic approach on him, wait to see what the projected ownership is, and maybe he's a pivot play. Max Homa, I imagine, is going to be kind of the cream of the crop here in the 10K range. It is, um, it's it's warranted. Although I think I'm taking like a a cautiously pessimistic approach on Max Homa. Okay, I guess there's a lot of different ways to look at this. Here, here are the facts: Max Homa has not hit his second shots well in his last six starts. He has lost strokes on approach in six straight events. If you look at another time in his career in which he's done that, you got to go back to here. Um, the end of 2020, where he hemorrhaged strokes on approach, but before this sour stretch, he was awesome there. So what version of Max Home are we going to get? I would like to think that he's got, he's had two weeks to kind of rest, you know, get with his coach, figure this stuff out. He knows he's not hitting it well, right? Like uh, I've interviewed Max Homa. He's very aware of his stats. He, he knows he's lost strokes on approach in sixth straight. I know they're, they're working on that. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. The other thing that you could say is a positive is despite that really bad stretch, historically bad stretch for Max Homa over his last six starts, he still has four top 25 finishes during that stretch, including a T5 to tour championship, a couple of playoff events in there. Like that's the good, you say the rest of his game is strong. If he can figure out um, the second shot, which I imagine he's working on and that he was so good at for the vast majority of the year, you can, you can project Max Homa to probably play, play pretty well and, and, and at least um, give a vigorous title defense this week. Corey Connors and Sahith Tagal, the, the last, you know, I'm not going to go player by player here, but the, the, these two guys are um, super fascinating. And Corey Connors, if Corey Connors is going to burn me, I think I'm just going to get burned, right? There's there's probably a little scenario in which I play a ton of Corey Connors. Um, if we look at course fit, do we think Corey Connors is going to really excel on a golf course that you can basically hit it anywhere off the tee that you want, turns into a wedge fest and turns into a putting contest. Does that sound like the type of place that Corey Connors is going to have a lot of success? I don't, I don't necessarily think so. If you look at um, his numbers from this event, uh, he's played here a handful of times. So, so three times in, since, since 2017, he's lost strokes putting in all three. He's lost a ton in 2018. He's lost nine, over nine strokes putting in the 10 rounds that he has played. The other thing to consider about Corey Connors is that we are now, um, let's see, he is 10,300. That is an all-time high, okay? He was also 10,300 at the Puerto Rico Open in 2019. 
That's it. We are at the absolute ceiling of pricing on Corey Connors. And when you are priced at 10-3, you better win or you better contend to win, right? And I think you are I think we are just much better suited for a $8,800 Corey Connors in a deeper, stronger field at a golf course that is tighter and more penal if you miss the fairway at a golf course where you are going to have to hit um, like longer irons into a lot of these. Like, give me, give me Corey Connors when we get to Torrey Pines. I'm not sure this is the spot for him. So all those things considered, it's unlikely that I find myself um, with a lot of Corey Connors this week. And then Sahith, uh, again, kind of the upper range of, of pricing that we've seen on him. I, I'll continue to, to, to spout it off early and often. Sahith is going to be incredibly volatile, right? And we've seen that already. He's not a technical player. He's a feel player. When things are clicking, he's great. When he's a little bit off, he is a lot off. So if you're looking for kind of probably a, a little bit of a pivot to someone who is uh, high upside, high volatility. Sahith might be that guy, but I think it's I think it's pretty clear that that home is the class of the 10K range. Okay, you have to basically love the 9K range um, for a lot of reasons. So so Taylor Pendrith is going to be very very popular, and this is for for great reason. Okay, he he should be. I think he might win it. Um, you get an opportunity to potentially bomb and gouge this thing. Even missing four months last year with that fractured rib, he's been awesome. He's someone that we we played a lot down the stretch. Um, the other thing that you need to know about Taylor Pendrith is that in terms of advanced metrics, he is like an advanced metrics darling. Uh, and, and what I mean by that, I tweet, I tweeted this out. Let me make sure I I have it. Um, I have it hundred percent correct. Yeah. So here it is. There were 15 golfers last season, only 15 who gained at least two strokes to the field in 37% of their rounds. These are the elite of the elite golfers. To gain that many strokes to the field that routinely is elite. Those 15 golfers won 27 times, including all four major championships. We're talking about the elite golfers, Cameron Smith, Scotty Scheffler, Roy McIlroy, Roy McIlroy, Patrick Cantlay, Sam, et cetera, et cetera, right? The only two guys on that list who did not win were Tommy Fleetwood and Taylor Pendrith. That's it. Everybody else won at least once. A lot of guys won multiple times. Obviously, they accounted for 27 victories. So so we're talking about a really, really good class of golfer to be in, to routinely be gaining that many strokes to the field. And then you go to a golf course that is probably a really good setup for you, and you get a little bit of a, a little confidence boost from being on the President's Cup team, getting that call this week. Like th- this, He's going to be very popular, and he should be. Uh, maybe the pivot off of Pendrith is Cam Davis. Cam Davis uh, does all the same things that Taylor Pendrith does well. It's that drive it far, but inaccurately, go find it, get into wedge range and try to make as many putts as you can. Last 100 rounds, uh, Cam Davis is, is a gainer across the board. That's a pretty that's a pretty significant feat. I mean, he's improved a lot in some of these in some of these uh, weaknesses that he used to have. You can see the upside. His his final six events: T eight, sixth, sixteenth, fourteenth, thirteenth. That last one was a playoff event, and then the BMW Championship, where his season ended, finished thirty fifth there. So basically, uh, middle of the pack at a at a playoff event after a really good stretch of golf. So th- this is maybe the uh, lesser-owned version of Taylor Pendrith ends up being Cam Davis. I won't go through all these players, but um, worth noting, Maverick McNeely. So when we when I do send out that newsletter, and, and trust me, I 
I lost more money on Maverick McNeely last year than than just about anybody, right? I mean, I, I bet him to win early. I bet him to win often. It never came through. Him and Aaron Wise, right? Um, I, I don't love the advanced metrics that I'm seeing from McNeely at this point. At the end of the year, he was losing strokes on approach. He was very reliant on the putter. That's concerning. However... Finished runner up here last year, and when I send out that email newsletter, uh, he's going to be on the list of guys who take apart the easy par fives. Not just par fives in general, easy par fives. Uh, McNeely is probably top five in this field in terms of easy par five scoring. So I'm probably not going to be as bullish on Mav this year, but I'm willing to just be like, okay, this is a good spot for him out of the gate. Let me see what what he can find. See if I can get a little lucky this week. Um, Emiliano Grillo is the other guy. So I mean, there, this is this is such a good range. What do we know before I even pull up his golfer profile here? If you're watching on YouTube, which by the way, this is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I don't mention that like ever. You can get the you can listen to this. You can listen to the podcast version. I'll talk you through the stats. Um, even if you don't want to listen, if you like download it, subscribe, and like that would help me a lot. So if you want to go do that, much appreciated. Um, before I even reveal Emiliano Grillo's golfer profile. We like, I can imagine it, right? It's going to be in theory, dark green on the left-hand side, uh, and red on the right, which is going to indicate he's a great ball striker, but he has like no ability to putt. And that would be true if it wasn't for his last five starts. What are we seeing? Emiliano Grillo for, I believe the first time in his career has gained strokes with the putter in five consecutive events. I don't think I can find he did it here. He did it in 2018 uh, from Wells Fargo to the PGA Championship, gain strokes, putting in all of those. But we're talking about four years ago. So has he found something? Because if he has, watch out. Because that five-event stretch has resulted in two runner-up finishes, John Deere in the 3M Open, and a T19 at the BMW Championship, which is obviously a stacked playoff event. Those are great finishes. And... Now he goes back to Napa where he won, right? I think it's his only, his only PGA Tour victory to this point was, I think it was when it was called the Fries.com Open. It was the first event of the 2016 season. That he He's won here. So are we building something for Emiliano Grillo to be confident for the first time in a long time with his flat stick and go back to a place that he's won? A lot of good results during this stretch. That's, that's, that's really exciting. So the... Um, the 9K range, absolutely stacked with golfers. You can even throw, I mean, Davis Riley is there who has just, you know, didn't didn't finish the season the way he would have liked to, but just raw talent. He's phenomenal. Um, Tom Hoagie, who had a great tour championship, and he's also quite volatile. Like, it's just a, it's a very exciting 9K range. Before I get to the eights, you know, I showed you the power rankings that basically say, you know, this is kind of a week to live in the sixes, sevens, and eights, be not be afraid to leave money on the table. I think it's also going to be a very profitable jock market week. So jock market is stock market DFS. You can buy, sell, short shares of athletes, golfers, um, is what I is what I talk about, obviously. And you can see last 10 starts, you're seeing a lot of these like cheaper golfers return huge ROIs. So like Harry Hall, who punched his tour card, has only played in four um cash markets. He's an average ROI of 69%. So his average IPO, $2.56. That's what you bought a share for uh, for him. Average payout, $4. You don't need these guys to win, right? You just need them to outperform their expectation. Kelly Kraft is a big winner in the jock market. Emiliano Grillo, no wins during that top 10, that 10 event stretch. 
huge gainer in the jock market. He's won you money 70% of the time. So this is also where I, I'm going to get to Taylor Montgomery in a second. Love that guy. I'll be investing in him in the jock market. If you, there's a link in the description. Um, there's data on my website for free. Use the code Rick, sign up, get ready. Wednesday night is going to be an IP, uh, a, a power hour. Joe Idoni and myself on a live show on YouTube uh, take you through the final moments of 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 the uh, the golf IPO for this week. The 8K range. So I think early on Monday, like I, I will see Brendan Steele and I will see the metrics and I will get excited. I think the further we get into the week, I will probably talk myself out of Brendan Steele. So what you have to remember, and it's hard for me to pass up a, a, a team no-putt guy. And I think at this point, Brendan Steele is the captain of it. From the Arnold Palmer Invitational to the end of the year, so March on to the end of the season, uh, Brendan Steele gained a stroke and a half per round in the ball striking categories. Rick, how good is that? A stroke and a half. I don't know. How good is that? Second to only Rory McIlroy. Yeah. So Brendan Steele for uh, six months has hit the ball like Rory McIlroy. The problem is he gives like a ton of it back with the putter. Lost six strokes to the Travelers Championship. Lost another six to the 3M Open. That was only two rounds. Lost three at the Rocket Mortgage. I guess the good news is, um, if there is good news to 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 gain from this, is that he's been awesome at this event. He's been awesome at Silverado. And in fact, he has the two wins here in 16 and 17. And he's gained strokes putting in, well, since they moved to to this to this course more often than not. So what you're asking from Brendan Steele is continue to hit the ball like Rory McIlroy, which is apparently not a big ask, uh, but putt like you have at this course. That That's the ask from him. We'll see how popular he gets. Taylor Montgomery, Vegas guy, look at the global results. Piles top tens, right? Can I pull him up on the golfer profile here? He was quite dominant. I don't want to say dominant because he didn't win on the, on the, on the corn Ferry tour last year, but look what he did piled up top 15 finish. His last four starts were second, third, fourth, ninth. And the end of the year, the end of the corn Ferry tour year is when it gets more, the most difficult. That's when the guys from the PGA tour who know they're going to miss out on their card, go down and try to earn it, right? They go to the playoffs. They go to the corn Ferry tour finals. They go to all this stuff. And that's when he's playing his best golf. Look at the strokes gain metrics. He gained 10 or more strokes to the field five times in his last nine starts. Five out of nine, 10 or more strokes. It's almost impossible that he didn't win an event, right? Because he showed ceiling. He did it consistently, put himself in position, just didn't hoist a trophy. I think that's okay. Uh, he played one non-major last year on the PGA Tour. It was the Farmers. It was in January. Finished T11. Missed the cut at the U.S. Open, by the way. I think that's okay. <laughs> um, this is not the U.S. Open. So he's, he's I, I think he's going to be a special player. Um, and I think he's really valuable this week. Thomas Dietrich, I think will be popular because of uh, not only not only kind of a, a couple of, of really good finishes on the Corn Ferry Tour, but he played in the BMW PGA Championship last week in in on, on the DP World Tour and, and finished fifth there. So again, the global cheat sheet shows you all of this. So you got to be, you got to be looking at it. Justin Su is here. Um, I'm not as high on Trey Molinax and I, I want to kind of explain that because I think he's going to be pretty popular. This one's hard for me and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he played well, but I look at this and I, and I wonder um, if we're going to find a lot of success from him this week. So 
he like for sure was awesome in his last five events. He won the Barbasol, played well into the playoffs. He gained strokes on approach in all of them, which is quite rare for him. Uh, you start to look back and find, hey, when's the last time he gained on approach in five straight? And I don't believe he, oh, here it is. It was 2017. You know, he's just not a guy that gets hot on approach. And now the season ends. You wonder if he's get, like, was what we saw in the last five, was that a heater, a fluke? Did he find something? I don't know. I tend to think that it's going to be hard for him to continue that. Also, when you look at his uh, history here at Silverado, you're going to see three consecutive missed cuts. Um, so I, I think like he's like a four out of 10 for me, but I think he's like a seven out of 10 for a lot of other people or an eight out of 10 because of kind of where he's priced and he won five starts ago. I'm probably not going to have as much of him as everybody else does. I'm happy to invest in the 7K range. Um, Chris Kirk, who played fine, okay, down the stretch and hasn't played this event since 2019. Another guy who smokes the the, the easy par fives. Um, Carl Yuan, $7,800. Get used to that name, okay? He is... Uh, what I believe to be like the modern PGA Tour player. He hits it far, top 10 in driving distance on the Corn Ferry Tour, very inaccurately. We know here that's fine. He's a big-time birdie maker, top 10 on the Corn Ferry Tour last year. Uh, look at his results, right? He won earlier in the year, piled up a bunch of top five finishes, a bunch of top 10 finishes. Um, he was the regular season points leader. I think he finished second overall after Justin So won the Corn Ferry Championship, the Corn Ferry Finals. This is... Like you're you're gonna hear a lot about this kid, right? He's I think he's 25 and he's just I think he's a real solid modern player, $7,800. Ches Reeve, who has played this event and played it well every year, he just won five starts ago, right? He won at the Barracuda. He played okay down the stretch, nothing spectacular, but a short par 70 that is kind of like a wedge fest putting contest. Hmm. Would that work for Ches? I think so. Hasn't put it as well recently as I would like, but we know he can heat it up. Who else in the 7K range? Um, the I, I don't want to scroll through too many guys. Taylor Moore, I think, is interesting. But at the bottom of this range, Patrick Rogers, easy par 5 killer, has played well at this event before. Mark Hubbard is here. Hubbard, okay, let's look at Hubbard. Because he is, he kind of split time for the, for the most part of last year between the Corn Ferry and the PGA. And Almost no matter where he played, he played well, okay? So he had the, the two top five finishes late in the year at the Barbasol, the Barracuda. It actually got him into the playoffs. He missed the cut at the FedEx St. Jude, and that, that ended his season. But you look at, um, you know, he played a lot of PGA Tour events at the end of the year, played well, played a bunch of Corn Ferry Tour events earlier in the year, played great at those. He has, like, that top 15, top 10 upside, and then he's played well, at this event, he's got two top 16s in his last three trips. So, like, those are two guys, Rogers and Hubbard, that I think are interesting coming down the coming down the bottom of the 7K range. So, if I could buy stock on, like, Justin Suh and Austin Eckroat, I would, right? Eckroat finished runner-up the Corn Ferry Finals. He's got, what is that, five top 18 finishes in his last eight starts. Um, almost All of them, all of them are on the Corn Ferry Tour. There is kind of this wild expectation that that a lot of guys are going to come out of college and be Colin Morikawa, going to be Victor Hovland, going to be these just like absolute killers immediately. And that is that is rare, right? We've been blessed with those guys. That's rare. 
the the more likely path is that you are Austin Eckroat, who came out a couple of years ago, Justin Su, who came out with with Morikawa and and Victor, and you like get your feet wet and you play your way through the corn fairy tour and you have a good year and then you're in your PJ and like there's like a natural progression. You don't just turn, you don't just um, graduate college and win major championships like Colin Morikawa did. That's very very rare. So we're seeing a natural progression in. Uh, both Justin Suh and Austin Eckert that I think is like, I think it's sustainable. And I think this is kind of a way of, of them building into it. So I don't know if it's going to be this week for Austin Eckert, but I just think the swing season is going to be like a, pl- a player to watch, someone to watch into into next year, because I think they're doing it the way that um, people have general, guys have generally done it for a long time, but we've been spoiled by the guys who come out of college and win immediately. Before I jump into the sixes, let's uh, look at some other tools here. So this is the trends tool. Who's hot, who's not compares, uh, any number of rounds that you want. I have it loaded for 24 into, uh, the golfers last 100 rounds and tells you, are they playing over their head? Are they playing below it? Et cetera, et cetera. So a couple of the notables that stand out to me, you know, I didn't mention Chesson Hadley in the, in the seven K range. He's a flat $7,000. He's playing a, a stroke and a quarter per round over his baseline. And he's doing it in a really good way. He's doing it mostly via the ball striking categories off the TN approach. Yes. He's, he's over his head with the putter, but not nearly as much. It's just uh, less than a quarter of a stroke out of 1.24. That's, that's just fine. Um, uh, Callum Terran's another one, you know, he's a stroke over his head, uh, in the last 24, but only a third of that is coming with the putter. The rest basically coming in the ball striking categories. That's really good to see. So you can use this tool and kind of see who's, who's likely to break out. Who's not. You'll notice far upper left-hand quadrant, which is where you want to be. Taylor Montgomery is there. Harry Hall is there. These are guys that I think are really setting up statistically to, to pop, uh, soon, soon. Um, the other thing is let's go to the Holy Grail and let's fire up this golf course and just look at who's played well, um, who's played well here. So Stuart Sink is number one. That's only six rounds though. And he won one of them, right? So he missed the cut and he won. Um, John Augenstein, who only has four rounds here, finished T6 last year. He's flat $6,000. Hideki's here, uh, 1.74 per round. Harry Higgs, 10 rounds, 1.55. So he went 23rd runner-up missed cut in his three trips. Ryan Moore, who I saw grinding it out at TPC uh, Las Vegas in like the 110 degree heat the other day, um, has played well here, but not recently, right? So T10, T17 runner-up. And then his last two trips were 2019, 2021 missed cut. He's only 6,600 bucks though. And then Brendan Steele, who we already talked about, Doc, Redmond, Ches Revy. Okay, guys, we we pretty much know about. Let me just look at Ryan Moore real quick. This is what I kind of do, right? You know, you look through all over the website, you get little nuggets, then you kind of narrow it down a little bit. Let's just look at Ryan Moore together and see if there's anything to be excited about outside the sighting I had on him. Um, unfortunately, not really. You know, I mean, he's a savvy vet. He's probably going to be able to figure it out at times, but this is not not a particularly great stat profile. He is tour average or, or just above tour average in, in most categories with, with not a particularly strong set of skills. Um, the only real appeal is that he's, that he's pretty cheap. The $6,000 range. So let's do this. Let's just sort this by strokes gained total over the last 24 rounds. Uh, oh, Michael Kim. I was definitely going to talk about Michael Kim. Michael Kim's back, baby. Remember he missed like a million cuts in a row, set the scoring record in one at John Deere, then missed a million cuts in a row. Seriously, it is like one of the most amazing stat profiles on rickrungood.com. And it's it's incredible. Like look, like look at this. So um 
let's go back. Let's go back. So he goes from like miscut, 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 wins, gains 19 strokes to the field, then basically finishes dead last or misses the cut on everything. Seriously, he missed every single cut from the Sony Open in 2019 to the Greenbrier in uh, September. He, nine months, he did not make a cut. And it, and it kind of continued for like a whole nother year. Um, how can you not root for this guy who has figured it out? Look at this. Went down to the Corn Ferry and has gained strokes to the field in 12 straight events, 15 out of 16, something like that. He's got top tens at the Barbasol. Uh, obviously, that's a PGA Tour event. The, the only one that he played last spring, last summer piled up top 10, piled up top 20 finishes on the Corn Ferry Tour, has now earned his tour card again. How can you not love this guy, right? So just pure raw strokes gained. He's the only guy in the $6,000 range that has that uh, has gained two or more strokes per round during that stretch. Augusto Nunez, $6,500 is second. Uh, struggled a little bit at the end of the season, right? Missed the cut at the Pinnacle Bank Championship, the Albertsons uh, Boise Open. But before that, it was a runner-up at the price cutter. It was a top, it was it was four top six finishes in a row events five, six, seven, and eight ago, right? So if you're willing to kind of uh, go for a cheap option there, Robbie Shelton won three starts ago at the Pinnacle Bank Open. So this is why this is why the 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 global version of this cheat sheet is so critical. This is all the stuff that you would miss at just looking at the classic version. So uh, especially on weeks like this, it's it's incredibly valuable. So there you go. Those are kind of the top options in the 6K range. I already mentioned Harry Hall. He's another Vegas guy. He plays well. He plays out of Summerlin in Vegas and um, very, very talented. He, he his, his metrics that we have on him, we don't have a ton of metrics on him, but it is, um, it is, is skewing towards a breakout right? Hitting it well. He can come around with the putter. He just finished third, the corn Ferry finals, a high upside, not a very consistent type of golfer, but someone that you might want to want to keep an eye on. And then the other one would be Brett Grant, Brent Grant, $6,300. Um, if you are looking for volatility, Brent Grant is your guy. Um, he, he is like a, a up and coming team. No putter total driving on the corn Ferry tour is great. Hits a ton of greens. I think top 10 on tour. Scrambling is like outside of the top 150. And then um, uh, putting, he 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 doesn't putt particularly well. So he won on tour last year, but he only had like, I want to say five top 25 finishes. So if you're looking for, again, volatility at a really cheap price, he's down there as well. Okay, custom model, rickrungood.com. Um, we could go like last 24 rounds. I think that's I think that's fair. I mean, you could even argue it could go longer. I, you know, it is an off season, but it's only two weeks, and a lot of these guys have been playing. So, uh, you know, if, if this was the longer break in January, I, I would say maybe we just go. You know, we assume most guys get back to their their longer baseline. Maybe go thirty six rounds or fifty rounds or something like that. All right. So, what do we know here? Okay. Um, boy, haven't done this for a couple of weeks. Let's think about this. There, I got a lot of different stats that I can look at. Let's do boy. Um, okay. So I think we have to use the weighted strokes gained because you do probably want to give credit to the, the guys who routinely play on the PGA tour or play in harder events versus the guys that are coming up. So I will say let's use a weight. And because we don't have the strokes gain approach and off the tee for the, um, for the corn fairy guys, let's just say 40 on weighted strokes gain total. Okay. So that is covering like just who's been playing the best across all of the tours. 
What I will also do is I want to do like a little bit on, on I think I think playing well on um, the par threes is going to be important. So give me like 15 on or 15, 12 on strokes gain par three. That's fine. Eight on par four and like 10 on par five. Let's just let's just mix it up. Now I've got 30 left. Let's do. Hmm. This is the problem when you don't have like a lot of strongly correlated things. You just kind of go back to the basics. Let's do. Let's just do 30 on, on fantasy points gained, right? Like we're playing like a fantasy point game, aren't we? So this would make my number one golfer. Oh God. Uh Trey Molinax, who I just told you I hated. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. What a start to the year. I mean, his last 24 is like the the best 24 rounds of his career. So of course he's gonna show up here. Oh my god, I can't believe it's Trey Molinax. Um the rest of it I love, but Trey Molinax number one, Cam Davis two, Taylor Pendrith three. No surprise there. Max Homa four. Boom. No surprise there. Emiliano Grillo, five. Love it. Dietrich, six. Love it. Steven Yeager, who I didn't mention, but I, I do like. He played well at the end of the last season. Taylor Moore, eight. Dean Burmeester, I didn't talk about, nine. Denny McCarthy, 10. Um, you go a little bit further. Corey Connors and Hideki Matsuyama are 11th and 15th, respectively. Uh, Sahith is in there. Uh, Callum Taran, Justin Lauer round out my top 15. But boy, am I going to have a decision to be made on... On Trey Molinax. Oof. Wow. I was not expecting like the guy that I want to fade the most to show up as my number one uh, ranked golfer. So, okay. We got some work to do. Lots more content coming. Betting preview Tuesday. Live chat Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. Rick Run Good YouTube channel. Talk about ownership, questions, answers, one and done. Anything that you want that is coming. Um, yeah. Enjoy it. We're back, baby. Let's go. Good luck.